Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of This Week in Barbecue. I am your host, Rashid Phillips, and This Week in Barbecue is a barbecue podcast that brings you the good, bad, and everything in between in the world of barbecue. So thank you so much for tuning in, and let's get into this week's news, shall we? First up, an amazing piece of news from my man, 100 Grand, my barbecue buddy, your friend, and mine, Mr. Ashley Thompson from... American Barbecue Showdown. My buddy Ash is actually going to be a part of the Beer, Bourbon, and Barbecue Festival happening in Wilmington, North Carolina. So if you're in that area on March 12th, I believe, make sure to go and support and show some love, take a selfie, say Sheed sent you. He's not only going to be there, he'll actually also be teaching a class on but he's going to be doing a pork butt session where he's going to show you how to smoke them, prep them, get them ready for comp. I wish I could be there. I can't, but I know he's going to provide such amazing insight and information for you all. Please, if you're in the area or know somebody who is close, go show some love, support. It's great to see him back out and the festival rosters on the tours. And I know this is just the first of many ahead. So, uh, Good on you, Ash. I'm proud of you, buddy. I can't wait for us to catch up and for you to tell me about just how amazing it was. Keeping in the theme of festivals and TV shows, Food Network is actually doing an open casting call for their barbecue festival-themed show. Now, there is no official name. There isn't actually even that much information on what the show is about, aside from the fact that it is a show based around barbecue festivals and touring and the barbecue community. I have no other insights. This isn't anything I'm working on. I haven't been tapped for it at all. But when it came across my desk or my weekly search, I wanted to make sure I put it out there. Because if you're willing to take that chance, if you're willing to put yourself out there and roll the dice, I can personally attest that you never know what amazing things will come from it. So if you're in the barbecue community or if you are looking to get into barbecue, this could potentially be a jumping off point for you that the Food Network is creating. Like I said, there isn't a lot of news on it, not any real information outside that they are currently casting. I'm gonna have the link to the casting page in the show notes. Try to subscribe, try to submit, apply, brush up on your skills, and uh, maybe share it with a buddy or two. Maybe it's a group effort ordeal, but as I find out more information, I'll make sure to share it on the podcast and on this week in barbecue social media pages which if you aren't following go ahead and do so uh we drop a lot of stuff throughout the entire week so it'd mean a lot too and say hey try to respond to everyone but uh yeah good on you food network so let's see what you guys put together there's a lot of money in barbecue i've been saying that you just have to decide which side of it you want to be on can you get texas style barbecue outside of texas well That seems to be the case with Matt's Barbecue, who has apparently created some of the best classic Texas-style barbecue in Portland, more specifically Beaverton. It's moving over to the Beaverton area, and that amazing accolade and and claim was brought on to by no one other than Daniel Vaughn of the Texas Monthly, you know, creates the list for the top 50 best barbecue places in texas and all that jazz um but matt here is not extremely new to it he's he is just moving locations so i think that's a good thing when you 
are able to come across a different demographic and a wider range of audience to sort of uh, allow them to experience your food can lead to nothing but great things. Now, he'll be joining this cart program they have set up there in, in Beaverton. It's sort of uh, like how we have Pond City Market here in Atlanta. Every establishment sort of has their own small cutout, their own little set of land and, and infrastructure that they can cook out of. And that's really great. He just recently got a much larger smoker, which allows him to double, if not triple his output. So great things come with consistency and dedication and drive. And him moving to this new space seems to be opening up all types of possibilities. So Matt, congratulations on the move. Congratulations on the crazy, amazing accolade and title. I would love to make it out there. I'm slated to head to that side in June. So I'll make sure you are on the list of places I need to stop by and grab a plate, which I hear you serve all your dishes on plates, like not trays or stuff that, you know, we may be accustomed to for barbecue. So really looking forward to meeting you. Congrats again and keep up the hard work, bud. Last week, we spoke on Matt Horn being one of the semifinalists for the very prestigious James Beard Award. Now, he's not the only one in that category. We actually have Ernesto Jackson, better known as Red, by his friends. And Ernesto actually runs Little Red's Jamaican Barbecue and Soul Cuisine. His wife is Jamaican, and he says she's the little in that title. That's her influence, her Jamaican background. And though that's her background and heritage, all the recipes are 100% his. He does not consider himself a chef, which I've found with talking with multiple pitmasters and barbecuers and anyone alike, not a lot of us would consider ourselves a chef, uh, even though by definition could be. He is very humble and very focused on the food. He's... <clears throat> based over in a part of Seattle that may not be the best, but he refuses to leave. He calls it home. That's his community. He wants to do good and give back. And as honored as he is for this title, it's not going to deter him or sway him or put him up uh, on a higher level. And he really just wants to stay focused on the craft and providing amazing cuisine and an amazing and result and quality product. So good on you, Red. It's uh, It's great to see Jamaican cuisine intertwined with barbecue of course that's my background and I try to do the same and and uh, display it as often as I can in my cooking style as well as my dishes and flavors so it's I, I tip my hat when I see it done in such an amazing way elsewhere so red best of luck I hope I hope you uh, get that title I hope you get that accolade and keep up the amazing hard work in your community no pun intended, I promise. But piggybacking on the last story for Heritage and Home, Cool Ray Field is hosting the 7th Annual Sip and Swine Barbecue Festival. I actually went to this event a few times. I went to the first one and the second one, and I haven't been back since just, you know, life happens and then COVID and everything else. But it is an amazing festival. It's where I saw some of the best and well built rigs it's actually the festival where i saw my very first shirley rig up close and personal so that was really cool for me and i learned so much just and understood their craft that they put into it but that's not what the subject about 
This is about the Sip and Swine Barbecue Festival coming back and showing that it is coming up on barbecue season, guys. It, that, that time of year is here. The weather's nice. People are getting outside again. It's time to fire up those cookers and mingle safely, but mingle and get back into being a community. They host a merit of prizes from $500 to $1,000 to $2,500 for the grand prize winner. So there is a lot to be won and achieved if you are going to be taking place, uh, taking part in the competition side of it. So keep that in mind. But if you're not and you're just strolling around, there are just so many amazing rigs to see. And if you're wanting to get into this business, if you want to get into this community and just in this hobby, go up and talk to the guy running the rig nine times out of 10. They will happily answer some of the questions for you if they're not in the weeds with a crazy line. But this is definitely the way to get out, get a better understanding of the community and support your local pitmaster. So hope you guys are able to make it out there or at least Google and search or tune in to This Week in Barbecue to find out all the festivals popping up around your area. I'm just going to keep rolling right along with the extremely long list of festivals that are appearing and popping up. Like I just said, it's that time of year. The season's really going to start rolling in very, very quickly. And next up, we have the Denver Barbecue Festival, which is going to be taking place on Friday, June 17th, all the way to Sunday, June 19th. So if you're in Denver and you want to roll some smoke, which, mind you, it's challenging. <laughs> it's challenging. I was in Breckenridge last year numerous times but this particular time i think it was maybe like 18 degrees in the morning when we got to where we had to be it was like 22 and just starting that fire and holding temps the air was just so thin it was just so cold pulling in you know cold air heating it up metals just frozen solid it was a lot of work probably the hardest i've worked to get a fire rolling and to keep a, a rig at temp in a very long time but it was an amazing experience but I digress. The important information here is that this festival is going to bring together pitmasters from Denver, Texas, Kansas City, St. Louis, and just all over the nation as a whole to compete and showcase their skills in the world of barbecue. And what's amazing about this is that general admission to the festival is free, but they do have a purchased VIP ticket option that gets you free passes for all you can drink and eat. Whew, that can be dangerous. You mix that with the thin air and that high altitude, it's definitely a, a recipe for some amazing stories or some crazy headaches the very next day. So I will place this information in the show notes. If you're gonna be in the area, I don't think I'm actually gonna be able to make it to this one just because of the dates, but I am trying to make it to as many festivals as I possibly can this year. I will definitely be at Memphis in May, just random off tangent too. Memphis in May is coming up in May. Book your places now to stay because I promise you things fill up so quickly there. Last year was great, but I'm definitely hoping that this year will be a much bigger tur turnout because the restrictions have lifted a bit and just everything is working in the community's favor to allow a lot more people into the venue. So if you guys are gonna be in Memphis in May, Give me a holler. I'll be the tall guy walking around eating all the food. All right, guys, it is time for the hot and fast section of This Week in Barbecue. We've got a few little notes to toss in here today, so let's get right into it. 
at the top of the list the application time frame for preserve the pit has officially closed i hope you got your submissions in this opportunity can be life-changing and hopefully this is not the last time they do it i'm hoping they do it yearly and even create something that they can do more than just once a year so that application time frame is closed they'll be announcing i believe uh later this month over top of april who the fellows will be next up cut and queue remember we spoke about that i believe episode four is happening in uh, scottsdale arizona with jonathan barbecue where you can get yourself a haircut and a hot plate of barbecue he's teaming up with the community and some local barbers to offer that for free which i think is an amazing give back an amazing endeavor and i will definitely be contributing to make sure it goes off without a hitch now we also have some amazing news for Corky's Barbecue, recently rated number one barbecue restaurant in Memphis. Congratulations to you, Corky, and the entire team. That's a, a heck of an accolade to, to, to have, and uh, I'm definitely sure it is very well worth it. So good on you guys. And that actually wraps up our, well, no, we can toss some more into quick little reminders. Reminder, Matt Horn's book is coming out. Make sure to pre-order. Kevin Bloodsoe's book is coming out. Make sure to pre-order. Between you and me, I got a little sneak peek at it. It's really, really good. There's a lot of information in there. Some really useful stuff. So it is definitely worth putting on the book list. If you have a pitmaster in your life, or if you are the pitmaster and you're really trying to up your game, this is one of those books to add to the collection and to study. That's just my personal opinion. I could be biased. Who knows? But wanted to put it out there. But now this is officially the end of the hot and fast section and we're going to move right on to this week's Q&A where you guys flooded me with amazing questions and we're going to roll through as many of them as we can. Let's get started. All right, first up we've got a question from Tackleberry Barbecue. Just ha I just have to say I love the love the name. Huge Police Academy fan. But let's let's get right into that question. He asked, is it best to buy rubs or learn to make your own? my answer to that question was both buying rubs allows you to find out what you like you know everyone has their own genre maybe you live in texas but you've always really some reason enjoyed memphis style barbecue or you're in the carolinas and you love the stuff from st louis you never know so buying those type of rubs from those barbecuers opens up your palate and gives you an option to see what's out there get those flavor combos and it also supports the barbecue community as well you can't forget that aspect of it now once you buy and you realize what you like you can then take that information bring it over to creating your own you found out you like smoky with heat and not so much sweet so you can start playing around with portions and flavor profiles to create your own and then you never know you may have a rub that you can Put out there and have someone else purchase and continue the steady recurring flow and cycle into the barbecue community so for me my personal suggestion both buy to support and also to find out what you like and learn and then take what you've learned and realize that you like to create your own and play around even more thanks so much for the question tackleberry really good one now this next one i, I there's no way i could answer it in the 15 seconds Instagram gives me. But this one is from Rowan who asked, 
what to look for when you're buying a smoker. And I don't think I've ever been asked this and I'm shocked because it's a really good one. There's so many things to look for, but let's start running through the list. First is build quality. You don't want to shake your rig and you feel like everything's loose and about to fall apart and just doesn't seem stable. You're going to be putting lots of meat on that thing. So it's got to be sturdy, right? Next up, you're going to want to look at the welds. A lot of these store-bought offset stuff from the, the big box stores, they're just quick little TIG welds, they're not too clean. You want to make sure it's the perfect fit and finish because if you see smoke coming out of your smoke chamber door, that means heat can come out of your smoke chamber door. That also means that you're you're going to have to add more fuel. You have to burn through more fuel, which means you have to spend more money on it. And that's a cost loss you're losing there. So it all funnels up and adds up. So just trust me, follow me here. Next thing you're going to look for, aside from the fit and finish, is the size of your firebox. Get yourself a good size firebox that has enough room for you to position things around. You guys ever see those uh, grills or cookers or smokers? You put one split in and like the split is sticking out of the firebox because it's just too big. Yeah, I can't get down like that. Um, make sure. And yes, yeah, someone's out there thinking, oh, well, you could just cut it in half and split. Yeah, that's I'm not talking to you. Get a firebox that is a good size and allows room to build, allows you to readjust and play around with how you're setting up your fires because it makes so much of a difference during the cooking process. Next is also going to be the metal thickness. You do not want to get something that is so thin you feel like you can bend it yourself. And I've seen some of the Walmart, not knocking them, everyone's got to start somewhere, but I've seen some of the, the, the Walmart offset grills that are just so thin, they burn out so easily when you start a fire. You ever just fire up and that firebox, the paint immediately peels off, which can be because you started up too hot, but it's also because the metal's just so thin, you're losing all that extra heat. That's why you have to do certain tricks to modify to get it running how you want. Maybe I'll put that video out as well. Um, but like I said, I could harp on this, this question forever, but I'll go through a couple more points. Look at your cook chamber and the ease of access. So the reason why I love all my rigs and I design them higher, I'm a tall guy, I'm 6'6". Six, six. Most rigs sit lower, so I have to hunch and pull and do a whole thing and it's just pain on my back. So my rigs already sit a bit higher, my great slide out and it makes it much easier for me to load and unload. It's gonna be very difficult to find that in a store-bought rig. Uh, some loopholes you can do, would be to get yourself some cinder blocks and some two by and set the two by on top of the cinder blocks and then set your rig on top of that, making sure it's sturdy so that you're lifting the grate to you instead of having to hunch over every single time. Now I'll finish this off by saying when you're looking for a rig, make sure that it's very easy to control your airflow. Make sure it comes with dampeners, some don't believe it or not, some just come with a little hole and it's not even one that you can adjust, it's just fixed. And make sure you're able to have a shutoff valve at the top where your chimney is so you're able to control and throttle how wide open it is or how tampered down it is. These are just my suggestions. I know it's a lot, but when I tell you I've looked at so many rigs, I've cooked on so many rigs, 
I've designed a lot of rigs too, that these are just things you start to pay attention to and you immediately realize like, oh, I wish I'd known this before. But Rowan, thank you for the question, brother. I hope this answers it. I know it's a little long-winded, but it was just a really damn good question. This question came from P. John who asked, would I ever do a contest where the winner cooks with me? Uh, I don't think that's a that's an amazing prize for the winner. Um, I feel like they should, they should get something else. But I am working on putting together not only a book, but a live cooking course as well, where I can get, I think we're gonna cap it at about 50 for the first one, get 50 bodies in there and do a hands-on cooking course so everyone can actually learn the basics of starting fires, managing your fires, and running it all the way through to a cook. I don't know what that would entail getting you guys there. We're still working on it. I don't know about a contest to cook with me, but if there are enough people interested, I'll, I'll put something together. I'll, I'll front that. We'll, I'll come to you and we'll cook and we'll have a good old time. But I want to share as much of the information I have with you so you can build upon it and share it with someone else down the line. That's the end goal. And thanks for the question. This is a question I've gotten a few times from Sauce M3. He asked, did I attend culinary school or where did I learn to barbecue? The extent of my professional culinary education ended in fifth grade home economics class. That is, uh, that's as far as I got <laughs> professionally. The rest has come from self-taught videos, books, and an obscene amount of trial and error and note taking. Said it once and I'll keep saying it. Taking notes throughout your cook will help you in the future. Future you will be so happy and proud and thankful for current you. I, I promise you taking notes on what did that brisket weigh when I bought it? What did it weigh when I trimmed it? What did it weigh after I cooked it? How much wood did I use? How much rubs did I use? It's like, well, I don't want to measure all that. It's easy. At least for rubs, weigh your containers before you cook and then weigh them after you cook and just separate the difference. There you go. You've got it that way. Wood, look at it as a visual stacks. Like how many splits? All right, great. Keep that going. But note taking is the best way. That's what helped me learn that and leaning into failure. I made a lot of shoe leather and by shoe leather, I made briskets. I made a lot of shoe leather when I first started, but you've got to go through that to mess up. Like if you can just accept you're going to not nail it the first time around, you're good. Still edible. Brisket's too tough. Cool. Cut it up into cubes, toss it in the crock pot, hit it with some stalks and veggies. Got a little Brunswick stew. Go to town on it. There's nothing wrong with it. There is trial and error in all of this. The sooner you fail, the closer to success you'll be. This is a good one. Jay Palassi, sorry about it. I tried my best, asked, Without giving away any of my secrets, what is a secret or key ingredient for the base of a lot of Jamaican seasonings? I'll answer it. I'll answer it. It's a very simple answer and it is pimento seeds or pimento wood. It is definitely that extra little flavor that you taste that you just don't know what's missing, but you know something is missing. That's a great base. You can do them whole. You can do them crushed to fine powders. I use them in a various wide range of things. I use them when I'm making the brines for my pastrami's. I obviously use it as one of the base ingredients for my jerk chicken. I use it when I'm making jerk pork and also some of my curry based dishes. 
it is definitely undervalued and not promoted as much, but it is integral in the flavor development for a lot of Jamaican cuisine, at least how I approach Jamaican cuisine. I hope that helps you uh, as much as it's helped me. There's a lot of questions from Jay's today. This one's from Jay Fitch. Apart from brisket, what other meats benefit from butcher paper? Well, you can almost wrap anything that you don't want to allow any more smoke to. A great trick, and, and hang on now, a great trick is using butcher paper for your turkeys. So, if you've got that color you're looking for and you've spatchcocked your bird, butcher paper is a great alternative to stopping it from getting any darker. Too many times people smoke a bird and that thing comes out looking like charcoal and it's not because it's burning anything, just got way too much color to it. it. may taste good, but if you're trying to get that visual appeal to it, that visual sense, that butcher paper is going to help you out a lot. Line it with some beef tallow even even if you're using it for turkeys, and lay it on top just to stop. It'll soften up and make it a little bit more malleable and more form-fitting, almost like uh, aluminum foil. And uh, I promise you, it'll be worth it. I'm the Tristan asked, I'm planning a birthday party. Any suggestions for uh, low-cost, high-yield meats? <sighs> Brother, everything is expensive right now. Um, everything is expensive. But one of the things that still yields the most for the cost is always going to be pork butt. It's always going to yield for the cost. Unlike something like a brisket where you may currently right now, I think I saw it at like 98 or 100 bucks. You know, you're not going to get a huge yield off of that because once you trim it, you've got the off fat and everything that you toss. And after you cook it, it also shrinks down, doesn't yield like it used to versus the pork butt you trim off that fat cap which i don't it's a weird little tangent follow me i don't trim off the fat cap on my pork butt until halfway through the cook and then i toss it in a pot and build a nice little sofrito with it and make my beans so there you go back to the original question using a pork butt yields a lot it's still gonna definitely get bone in as well just better flavor with the bone in it's going to allow you to get a lot more of an edible return than something else would. Chicken, chicken is good, but you're going to end up with a lot more bone than meat. So go pork butt or turkey. If you can get turkeys right now, turkeys are probably very affordable because it's not seasoned. And just do some shredded turkey sandwiches. I hope that helps and happy birthday to whomever's birthday it is. I remember seeing this and thinking... There are going to be some people yelling about this one. But um, <laughs> Mo asked, is it better to have a offset or a reverse flow offset? Yes. <laughs> yes is the answer. Either one works. I have both. I have a reverse flow. Majority of my rigs are reverse flow, but I also have a straight flow offset. And it's just on your cooking skill. And for those who aren't familiar, reverse flow basically means... Your firebox is here, heat goes down, doubles, comes back around, goes out on the same side that the heat is. Your straight flow is heat is here, just shoots and goes out on one end, opposite end. There, there it is. It is equally challenging to control temperatures on both models. Granted, the reverse flow does give you a little bit more buffer room because it's doubling back. So you definitely have a hot spot there, multiple hot spots, typically closest to the 
firebox and closest to the chimney and opposite the firebox and opposite the chimney. So those are typically the key hotspots, but you can do the dollar test and find out where they are. I personally like having my reverse flows. I really do, but I can cook on anything and that's just going to end up being a personal preference. One isn't going to be better than the other. It's just on your style and what you're looking for. I would definitely suggest you get out to your local barbecue uh, store or a barbecue restaurant or a festival and see if these guys will let you tour the pit and ask them what they like about it. And better yet, here's the best question. Go in there and ask them, hey, if you had to change something about your rig, what would it be? And that alone can be very telling. Hope it helps. All right, guys, I hope you have enjoyed this week's episode of This Week in Barbecue. I have been your host, Rashid Phillips. Once again, thank you all so much for submitting these amazing questions and listening in. If you have any questions or topics or things you think I should put on the show, please drop me a line at thisweekinbarbecue at gmail.com. And if you aren't already, please like, subscribe, and share with a friend. I'll see you guys next week, and thanks for tuning in.